Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. For the relationship that we've come into through the sacrifice of Christ upon the cross. And it's that blood that causes us that we're far to come near and to connect and to participate in thoughts that concern your heart and a life that expresses your glory. And we pray, Father God, that as people see our lives and they question the integrity of our devotion, that they might see a family that they might see the prosperity of those who inhabit family, that they see the forged temperament and character of those who are faithful to stay and to grow up and mature and to be entrusted with the house. We give you thanks for fathers and mothers. We thank you for sons and daughters. We thank you for the home we pray, O oh God, that this would be passed down from generation to generation as you revealed yourself as the God of Abraham, Father, the God of Isaac, Son, and the God of Jacob, which is a sons and descendants, great nation as a result of those who understood family. We pray that your spirit would lead us as you have promised in your word. These are the sons of God, those that are led by your spirit. And allow us, O oh God, to truly knit our hearts together and to embrace once and for all your heartbeat for the nations and cause our mind to be enlightened, cause our thoughts to increase Remove from our hearts everything that is against and contradicts your plans for our life. Allow us to come to the place to bow our knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven on earth receives its name, its inheritance, its identity. Prosper your word in the hearts of your people and allow this word to touch the hearts of your sons and daughters in all the earth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. The only description that includes all of us in Ephesians 2.18 is that experience for through him we both, it's Jesus. This is, this is the purpose of his coming to the earth is giving us access through his spirit to the Father. This is what Paul again in Ephesians has described for us that we might understand the full context of the inheritance that's laid up for those that we might 
see with wisdom and our eyes of our understanding open to know the inheritance. He says, because it was through Jesus Christ that we have been introduced by the Spirit to the Father. There's a lot of people that still have not journeyed to understand this, but verse 19 describes it clearly. You who were lost, you therefore are no longer strangers. You're not unacquainted. You're not foreigners. You don't speak another language. You have uh, come because of what Christ did, because of how his spirit leads you, you're not disconnected. Uh, there's no greater description. This, this word stranger in the amplified is you're no longer an outsider. You're not outside the family. You have been introduced into the family. And you're no longer without adoption papers, but you are members of the family of God. That's what the word household means. You're now in a family. Um, it was funny. <clears throat> when we were younger, my parents, in that spirit of adoption, when we became Christians, they went down to an orphanage and they picked up two little boys that were there and they wanted to introduce them to our family. And they had a terrible time because this young boy who was 12 and his older brother was 14, total inability to understand the family context, what it was to listen to a father, what it was to listen to the order of parents, a self, uh, uh, a sense of self-entitlement I'm an orphan. You have to put up with my attitude. You have no right to speak into my life. You can't discipline me. You can't correct me. That is the nature of rebellion. On Sunday in this church, as the preacher was preaching, somebody preached back at the preacher. That's rebellion. I felt very sad because it's an orphan spirit. It's a spirit that doesn't want to receive the goodness of God in a family. So my parents had to take those boys back to the orphanage because they refused, they didn't know how. Their hearts were closed to a family. We need to go to the nations and announce the goodness of the fact that there's a door open into the family of God. And God is looking for sons, he's not calling upon rebels. He's not coming to look for orphans because he says you are no longer orphans because my spirit is upon you and you can cry Abba Father. 
you don't have to have the reluctance of God's embrace. And he whom the Lord loves, the Lord disciplines. We need to ask God, I'm no longer a stranger. I'm no longer an outsider. I'm no longer distant. I am now a member of the household of God. What does that mean? It means that you have the capacity to bow your knees, Ephesians 3.14. Seeing the greatness of this plan, this is the Amplified Bible, the Amplified, it says, for this understanding, seeing the greatness of this plan by which Christ is building and putting together a family, it's time to bow our knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15, whom all families in heaven on earth, derive their character. What is this character? That you can receive, verse 16, the deposit and treasury of his glory. You are able to administer and steward the family's wealth. Because in your innermost being, what characterize you, characterizes you above all things is the faithfulness of being a son. Again, um, being outside of the context of family, and, and I, I just want to describe one particular aspect a wife who's never been able to see a husband and know the nature of a husband. And I've, I've been in families that as far back as they could look, there's never been a man who has played the role of a husband. So when a husband shows up or a husband is born again or a husband begins to walk in the integrity of what it is to be a husband, there's a total reluctance to allow him total because there is no confidence there is no allowing yourself to be embraced Christ reveals the heart of God in his husbandry these words have have caused women to be transformed in a second when a man is able to display the heart of a husband where Christ says, I'll never leave you nor will I forsake you. That's, that is the expression of full husbandry. And there's no greater manifestation of love than that which says, you know something? There's never going to be a time where I'm not going to be present, embracing you, taking care of you, loving you. There's never going to be a time. You could get that out of your head, even though in this world, they have deposited that spirit in the heart of a woman. So it doesn't allow her to enjoy who she is in the embrace of a glorious wife. I want to challenge you tonight that 
Why does God put us in the context of family? Why is he inviting us back to this place that many of us prefer not to? Um, They asked a man who's been married 40 years, four sons, 10 grandsons. You can finally stick with your wife for the rest of your life. He says, I don't know yet. I don't know yet. In other words, his commitment is still questionable. And it's almost over. And his wife has never felt, and the family has never felt that it is adequate in their embrace to his heart. It continues to be questioned. These families that continually tell their wives and their children, if you guys keep being a headache, I think I'm just going to pack up and leave. One of my friends made it a habit to leave his wives. He left three wives. Every time he would get upset, he would pack his bags and leave. It's like, what were you doing? Well, there was one time. We got in an argument about the barbecue and I just packed my bags and I left. I got to go to the courthouse the next week and I got divorced for an argument about a barbecue. But this is ever so prevalent in our generation because that's what we have taught our children. God puts us in the context of family as our first experience. Some of us have never, never enjoyed family. Some come from dysfunctional families. Some come from absent members of the family, but I want to tell you that there in that context, we need to find the ever presence of someone called the father. And, and there's nothing greater in the context of biblical reality than to know the full expression of what a father is. It's just the the whole, there's no other book upon the earth that's going to come and give us that understanding. And our relationship to our father will determine every other relationship we have. That's why the devil has attacked that entity, has attacked man with the absence of fathers. That, That affects every other relationship we will ever have. There are 60, 70, 80-year-old men that continue, that continue to not understand the value and the importance of a father. And there is no other nation upon the earth that has denigrated, devalued, distorted the role of the father like the United States. No other nation mocking fathers, walking in a unawareness. Um, I'm going to ask the media department there to look up on YouTube because there's a small clip um, where the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, it's talking about the father episode where after 
It's been 14 years that this young man has never seen his father. His father picked up and left as a child. So he goes to live with his aunt and uncle in California who are doctors and they're well off. And so they're helping him thrive. But in this episode, there's a visitation from his father. And that interchange with his father briefly it highlights as a classic expression of what's taking place in our generation between fathers and sons. And consequently, when we come into the church, we come into the relationship with God, we come with a lot of this deep-seated pain and, and expressions. Uh, again, the role of a pastor has a strong paternal spirit and, 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 and weight. And that's why people leave churches. Because they can't withstand correction. And I was talking to one of the young men here. And I said, listen to me. If I'm calling your attention and you can't withstand it, you're going to go to a place where there is no correction. So then what's going to become of you? Let's watch this little clip. Will, <laughs> I'm glad you're here. Um, some business came up I got a handle. So we're going to have to put a, our trip on hold. You understand? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, cool. that's cool. Just for a couple of weeks. Mm, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little longer. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Look, I'll, I'll call you next week and we'll iron out the details. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah, yeah. It was great seeing you, son. You too. Lou? Yeah. Yeah, um... I'm sorry, Will. You know what, actually, this works out better for me, you know, the Slimmies of Summer come to class wearing next to nothing, you know what I'm Will, saying? Will, it's all right to be angry. Hey, why should I be mad? I'm saying, at least he said goodbye this time. I just wish I hadn't wasted my money buying this stupid present. I'm sorry. I, you know, if there was something that I hey, could Hey, you know do. what? You ain't got to do no, nothing, Uncle Phil. Hey, you know, ain't like I'm still five years old, you know? Ain't like I'm going to be sitting up every night asking my mom, when's daddy coming home, you know? Who needs him? Hey, he wasn't there to teach me how to shoot my first basket, but I learned, didn't I? Hey, I got pretty damn good at it, too, didn't I, yeah, Uncle Phil? Got through my first day without him. Right? Mm -hmm. I learned how to drive. I learned how to shave. I learned how to fight without him. I had 14 great birthdays without him. He never even sent me a damn card. To hell with him! I ain't need him then and I don't need him now. Will. Will. Now, you know what, Uncle Phil? I'm going to get through college without him. I'm going to get a great job without him. I'm going to marry me a beautiful honey, and I'm going to have me a whole bunch of kids. I'm going to be a better father than he ever was. And I sure as hell don't need him for that, because ain't a damn thing he could ever teach me about how to love my kids. 
How come he don't want me, man? That's good. You see the intensity of what we just witnessed is taking place all over this city. And God desires to give each one of those an opportunity to have his embrace, to be part of his family, to be able to interact in such a way that we're responsible to honor family. This relationship with the Father is the very premise of every expression of rebellion. The lack of being able to honor Father from the first book in the Bible to the very last book in the Bible is the indictment we see against man. In our family, we're going to be exposed to three particular aspects of our existence and you might not like this but this is real there's a part of you that is hidden from everyone but a family reveals the heart you could pretend all you want but those that are in your family know you you don't even have to speak you don't have to raise your voice you don't have to act a particular aspect of family is that the people are able to interpret your spirit and weigh the gestures of your heart and we should be concerned. One of the verses that really touches my heart on a continual basis is Psalm 19 where verse 14 where David is prepared to open up and be transparent in his heart and tell God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. You who want to become my strength and the one that wants to pull me out of the hole. If we don't deal with the internal workings of the heart, we're deceiving ourselves. You're deceiving yourself. So if the expression of what's in the heart comes out because of the, the blows of life when we feel there's injustice or things are not fair or they're not right and we speak that which is improper, that's what God wants to address. A lot of times we cannot correct, we cannot address someone until we see their words and their actions. But the truth of the matter is God is the one that weighs the heart and so he addresses the heart with the need of us understanding a right standing before God Lord let the the words of my mouth and the attitude of my heart be acceptable because the truth of the matter is for a period of time it doesn't matter who wants to embrace family our thoughts and our words will soon cause us, to, like we said last week, I think we were talking about the expression of Cain when he found himself 
outside of the family. Genesis 4.14. And he said like this, Lord, you have banished me. You have driven me out. You have, caused me, you have caused me to leave. And now anyone who finds me will kill me because I don't have a family. I do not have the context of protection and correction. What Sam Rodriguez said in that movie, Irreplaceable, he says the family is the firewall against all the devil's schemes for our life. There's nothing like being in family. That's why Psalm 68, 6 says that he puts those that are disconnected, he connects them to a family and they will be like those who prosper. Those who are coming out of prisons, but not those who are bent on rebellion, dishonor. So we need to be prepared to have our thoughts revealed and if they're improper thoughts to be corrected, our words that are improper there are words that encourage and give life and there are words that discourage and produce death and destruction. And so our relationship to God the Father is revealed on honoring those that are the fathers upon the earth and in every expression. When I, when I see a man like Raphael Nahum who is... 60-something, I see him as a spiritual father. And not my spiritual father, but the spiritual father of an entire state of Massachusetts because of his ability to stay, because of his ability to continue. What, what is it to be 42 years in the Lord and continue wanting to help others? He just spent some time in France because a lot of Muslims are getting saved and they have no spiritual fathers. And he, being saved in the 70s, is, is a true example of what God wants other men to be, to stay in one city, faithful to one people for a long time. And so seeing him in that manner, when I went up to Boston and met him for the first time, I said, I want to be able somehow that he might capture the understanding of the weight of the greatness of what God wants to do through this man in the coming days. And have them understand that this house will honor him and will cherish him and refresh him so that he can raise up that family of God as, as the days grow. So the connection with fathers, wherever they're at, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about a man that was in this community. His name was Art Teal, and he was a commissioner in this country, in this, in this city, for many years, since 1980. And he worked at the forefront of the city gates in Miami, um, re responsible for the affairs of this city and was able to do a lot of great things. He had graduated from the Marines and had served his time and then he ran for political office and he was able to identify with Ronald Reagan. He was a conservative Republican in Miami 
And he got hundreds of thousands of dollars, even millions, I believe, poured into our community because of his representation and service to the public. And he finishes his life totally mocked, disoriented, and committing suicide in the lobby of the Miami Herald. And that's what the devil wants to do with fathers. He wants to discredit them. He wants to dishonor them. He wants to destroy them. But a good son will be able to understand the heartbeat of God and be able to encourage these men and honor them. Ephesians 6.1, the principle of honor is what connects a son to a father. Some of us will be perpetual orphans because we will never honor anyone. We will find any reason to discredit. Or is this one man many years ago who was married for 10 years with his wife and his, he kept on going from church to church telling his wife, no, this pastor's a jerk and this one's too skinny and this one's too fat and this one's too happy and this one's too sad. And she, he discredited 10, 15 pastors. In his heart, there was rebellion. In his heart, he had a capacity to honor no one. And so when he started going through issues in his family and marriage, and he suggested to his wife that they go speak to a pastor, she says, no, because he's too fat. No, because he's too skinny. No, because he's too funny, or he's too serious, or he doesn't know the Bible, or he's too young, or he's too old. And the real reason is that in that heart, there was no honor for anyone at any time, in any place. This Ephesians 6.1 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. How do I get to that place to walk in obedience? Because that's the expression of a son. It, you cannot be a son if you're not willing to embrace obedience. I don't care what you are, and, and we like to characterize, um, caricature, make a cartoon of obedience. Well, what do they want me to listen? The Spirit of God in you will want you to be known by your obedience because that's the character of Christ. He was obedient to death and death on a cross. And he did not caricature obedience. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Well, how will I do that? Verse 2, honor. You're not going to be able to ever come into sonship without honor. A husband will never be able to walk at the level of honoring the marriage if he doesn't know how to walk in honor of obedience. If we cannot honor, there is no family because the element of family is incredible feats of honor. Incredible feats of honor. Honor is the Surrendered will of the heart before men. The home is supposed to prepare you to honor many things. To honor marriage, to honor family, to honor your work, to honor the civil government. 
We have seen expressions of young men who haven't been able to honor their fathers, their family, the church. We send them into the military. And when the sergeant has demanded various commands of obedience, they've even pulled out their weapon and shot their sergeant. That's huge. I've never heard of that. But that's that's how when you find out what's inside the heart, it's not the church. It's not the family, it's not the father, because placed in the context of an army where anyone would honor the officer, they have no capacity to do so. There cannot be prosperity. There cannot be fruitfulness. There cannot be increase because the whole dynamic of the body of Christ is a family. All our ministries that are touching the nations. What this man was able to come in here, and we've had a relationship for a while, and come in here and feel the context of what's taking place here. It says, you know something? The kingdom of God is in this place. The kingdom of God is in this place. That is what a family forms, a home, a dwelling place. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. There are many gatherings. The inception of a a family, when I see a single person, and this is is the formation of of what's going to take place in the natural, a son is groomed, incidentally, on the day that he's married, they will call him the groom. Why? Because he has been groomed. His character has been cultivated. And he'll be able to be entrusted with a wife because he has learned the principle of honor. And this family will will be prosperous and fruitful as she also has become a faithful daughter in the virtues of respecting her husband. This generation has lost that capacity. Uh, I recently ran into a couple that called Savior Marriage. And I said, we got married and within a year of being married, my husband told me that I had to go and work and provide for myself and two daughters. I have to provide for myself and he sent her to work at the Miami International Airport, the midnight shift. That's not a son-in-law I want. That's not a son-in-law that I want for my daughter. No capacity to honor, expose. And so we need to be people that understand that God has put us into family. I often say to women, I'm not a woman. So I can't tell you what the Spirit of God would tell a woman in her calling to honor her husband. But I'm not a woman, but I casually see what the Spirit of God tells the church that the bride of Christ and her relationship with the groom is one of of huge 
nobility and dignity and honor. And some foolish daughters speak to their husbands with total neglect, total defiance, total disrespect. If they fill themselves with the Spirit of God, they would walk like the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 6, where a daughter walking in high honor and respect would, would understand. It says Sarah obeyed Abraham. The principle of obedience is, is, is crucial for honor and family, calling him Lord. Lord, not in the context of tyrant, Lord, in the context of ultimately God has made you responsible for what happens in this place. You're going to give an account to God. So I will defer that you make the right decision because God will require it of your hand. You're responsible. I'll give you my heartbeat, I'll give you what I see, I'll give you what I understand. I'll give you what I've heard, but you are going to slice the pie. You are going to make the decision because you also will be responsible for the consequences. So that, that is the context, but it says this woman, Sarah, walked in that reverence and you would become a daughter of her if you do the same without being fearful of what takes place. Um, I've taught many a times this situation of, of being a woman. And when I do teach, the men are the ones that get nervous. The men are the ones that shake because God will require it of them. And so the next verse says, so husbands, be careful how you ought to treat your wives because if you do not dwell with them, understanding God's order and you're needing to give her, again, the word honor, a place, a weight of consideration, of wisdom. You would be foolish not to listen to your wives. That your prayers will be hindered and you won't end up inheriting another family word. All the goodness of God in this life, the grace of life. So all these things are tied together. And we should all, just as like it is difficult for a man to walk in the responsibility and a wife to walk in her fashioning. Uh, I just had my best friend on Monday night. He says, Joaquin, listen to me. We have to feel sorry for our wives because they have to live with us and we're so ugly. We're, and he was trying to say, we're so much trouble. So let's get to this understanding that in family, God is gonna deal with our thoughts. God is gonna deal with our attitudes. God is gonna deal with our words. All these things preparing us to flourish in fruitfulness and prosperity. Whatever you do, that is visibly out of character and out of the 
expression and manifest stewardship if you don't allow yourself to get prepared and polished when you're sent out you're not going to be prepared so we're coming to this family and in this family Ephesians 5:22 he puts this description in the context of families the women submitting to their own husband as to the Lord again understanding that, that that role is tied to what God wants to do. Verse 23, husband, the captain on the ship. I've never been in the military. Um, I went on a cruise recently and they said these words, no one is getting off the ship until the captain gives the order. If that was the reality of how we lived our lives, understanding that God has made the man responsible to navigate in God's purpose, our attitude would be one of, I'm the captain. As Christ is of the church, and so if you're a rebellious wife at home, I, I, I guarantee you, you're a headache at church. Because God is trying to do something with the entire body. That's why rebellious sons don't fit in the context of church. They have an inability to honor. Verse 24, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, that's what we're trying to do, a husband is the captain of his house, Christ the captain of his church, so let the wives be to their own husbands except when they don't agree. The greatest things that have happened to me has been to allow, for my wife to allow me to go and have the consequences of not seeking the face of God. And then knowing that it's my responsibility to ask her forgiveness and to put things in the order. Verse 25, husband, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and surrendered his will, given himself for her to serve her. Uh, many years ago, the Lord taught me that my leadership was to serve, to serve. And that's what's been a blessing in our marriage and in our family with our kids. When you take the role of a servant in the home, you'll see how quickly people want you to lead. They want you to lead when you're serving. Verse 26. So that everything might be cleansed, sanctified, separated by the washing of the water by the word. Continue on. So that there might be the expression of glory. Glory is the character of God. That doesn't happen on the earth. There's a glory that's on the earth that fades, but there's a glory in heaven that never fades without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that there not be stain or blemish, but that they should be holy. Uh, the word holy in God's order. Um, 
A lot of people have a lot of dreams of how they're going to be used of God. I, I want you to ask the Spirit of God to give you the reverence to get in order so that you might see what God is able to do. And these things are spiritually discerned. That means in the spirit realm, a demon knows when there's rebellion in the camp. And he's like, these guys are going to do nothing for God. They can't even get in agreement. Verse 28. So husbands ought to love your wives. I think it said it like three times. As their own body, this was the test that I've always given men at my law practice. I always looked outside and saw you know, what type of clothes and what type of shoes and what type of cars they wear and then see their wife come in and know that they weren't loving their wives as they love their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Many of the men that have come in for counseling, I've told them, I said, you know why you don't love your wife? Because you don't love yourself. You got to get to that place where Christ is able to do a deep work in your heart and then the expressions of love expound. Romans 13 verse 1, it says that all the governing authorities established by God are there as servants of God. They're producing a work in our hearts. There's nothing that's in the realm of authority that has not been placed there by God, appointed. Verse 2, the authorities in the context of marriage is an institution that has authority. Whoever resists the institution is resisting the order of God. And those who resist will bring consequences, judgment upon themselves, acts of God. Verse 3, for all rulers are not there for, are to fear. They're not there for terror's sake, but they're there to produce a good work to those not that do good, but those who do evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Then start doing what's right. You will have the praise from the same. You know, that, that's one of the things that's really important. Um, if you deal with a spiritual authority in your life, to get that thumbs up. I had a conversation with Pastor GF, which two years ago we decided to allow him to oversee this work and to be our overseer and like two weeks ago on a phone call he says you're ready for the next level because you've been faithful you're, you're ready for God to entrust you further responsibility and when you receive that from a spiritual authority you feel really good you feel that you're honoring God do you want what is good you're going to have praise when you subject yourself to those authorities. That's in that context of church, or ministry rather, in the context of church, our relationship with our elders, with our guys like Clarita who have been walking in the Lord for a long time, the context of my father, the context of, of other pastors, as we sit down and we talk about what God wants to do. God desires for us to have relationships to have relationships, to be able to get a thumbs up and an awareness of where we're at. Honoring these relationships start at home. As a man safeguarding your personal life, as a husband guarding your marriage, as a family member guarding the home, as the church 
in our relationships. One of my one of the visions in this church is called transparency. What's that mean? First John 1 John 1.7, it says, if we walk in the light as Jesus Christ in the light, then we'll be connected. If we could be transparent, we'll have fellowship. And there, my favorite part is the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all sin. Because when you're being transparent, you're going to ask to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. The blood of Jesus is there to wash us. But that context is what gives us community. So we have a man in his personal life understanding that God is bringing him into the family. A marriage, a husband and a wife which honor that capacity. A family in the context of biological and then spiritual which is what is the church. And that causes community. As people integrate into the family of God, there should be the expressions of getting prepared. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, where he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. There's nothing stronger There's nothing spiritually stronger than the church family to come against the forces of evil. That's why in Ephesians 5, it talks about a husband and a wife. It talks about children in chapter 6. It talks about um, how we serve in a business, Ephesians 6 verse 5 where it says that those of you that are serving out that outside the context of the family, outside the context of the church, if you're an employer, be obedient to those who are your masters, your employees, employers according to the flesh, respecting them in reverence and sincerity of heart as you would to Christ. We should be the testimony of Eric when he went to go find a job, they said, you've got to be the top guy. Why? Because you listen to us. Like Joseph, because you have a heart of a servant. And Jesus says, "The, the greatest among us will be a servant. So here in the context, not of church, not of family, but even in our world, in our industry of work, when you're with employers, business clients, Until we do that, we're not prepared to be part of a world-changing family and community. We're not ready to deal with evil spirits that contend and are causing the collapse of the family. Every expression that's upon the earth that's causing the collapse of family is to be contended against by those prepared to be faithful sons, daughters, husbands, wives, those that honor high honor, those that have a capacity to surrender their will and be faithful sons. That's going to require you to guard your heart, Proverbs 4.23. Instruct your heart, for there is the place that everything is pouring out of. Everything that's pouring out of your life that doesn't allow you to be part of God's project is a heart ailment. Because of twisted things, the heart of many will grow cold. Not your heart. You're going to guard your heart because from there 
Everything else is flowing. If mammon gets in your heart, it's going to deceive you to serve riches and possessions of material things. Oh, what a travesty. You've been deceived. You've given your best years upon the earth to serve those things that are passing. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus tells his generation of leaders, how can you ever, how can you ever be able to move in the direction of my purpose of saying anything good, of pronouncing anything? You, you twisted snakes in the grass. That's the modern version. How can you who are twisted in the heart speak anything good? For out of the abundance of the heart, you're able to speak. If there's nothing good in here, when you open your mouth, you, you, could, you could deceive all you want. What comes out of the mouth is going to be disrespect and dishonor. You're not going to be well received. How can you ever say anything or be part of anything good? Listen to me. I'm going to tell you something, and not because it's spring of life, but this is the most incredible church in the world. Listen, not because I'm the pastor. It's just amazing what God has done. There's some churches that have been around for 50 years and prayed and wish that they would see the glory that's in this house. And so when people are quick to come over and say, you know something? I came in church tonight and nobody greeted me. I said, well, since you have such an urgent, burning burden for the greeting ministry, get to church an hour early and I want you to greet everybody who comes in. Well, I don't think we need the greeting ministry. I could go without it. People come in and it says, you know something? They, they want to they find. I said, you know something? You got a wicked heart. You've never even seen the glory that God has put in this place for you to be. I love what, what Pastor Raphael said about, I think he said it in the first service. He says there was two men, for those of you that weren't there, they both had sons and one of them said, man, my my son costs me so much. I have to pay for his car. I have to pay for his house. I got to pay the dormitory, his books, his education, his medicine. Or, uh. And then the other, the other man was hearing him complaining. He says, well, my, my, my son doesn't cost me anything because he died last month. And a lot of us will come to church and all we find occasion to do is not to make it better, but to single out that which if we didn't have we wouldn't have anything. This is powerful. Luke 6, 45, the expressions of everything we will see which is good is produced by the hearts of those people. A good man out of the wealth and treasure of his heart brings forth good, but an evil man will destroy and disseminate and diminish and reduce those things which are great out of that which he brings out of his heart because it's there that abundance is born 
And the Bible says a wicked woman will reduce her husband to a morsel of bread and consume him. We're not that type of people. That spirit is not in this house. The collapse and the downfall of the family is that which allows a father to disconnect from his father in heaven, from a wife who turns away from her heart in the marriage covenant, from a son who despises and rebels, not wanting an inheritance. Let's stand tonight and give thanks to the Lord for part two. Part two of a world-changing family project. I don't want you to walk away from this night with a Bible study. I think that the authenticity of our worship will allow us to flow into the heart of God. I pray that we could perfect our worship in this house and that Jesus would have the best of our praise, the best of our transparent hearts and in his presence, giving him the worth, giving him the honor, displaying his glory. Talk to a man today and he says, I'm an expert in organic mattresses. And I said, well, that's impressive, but I'm an expert in restoring men. And he says, well, you got to, from time to time, somebody will purchase a mattress and they'll return it because they're allergic or because they don't like it. So I want to donate it to you. And I said, sir, you didn't hear me. I'm not interested in your mattresses. I'm interested in you being a real man, a real husband, a real father, enjoying a great family. And he says, we're going to talk again. So he exchanged numbers with me. I think it's important that if we're known by anything upon the earth is that our life would display not the intellectual context of what we have spoken tonight, but that, and that our children might have the greatest joy in the world. Proverbs 17 verse 6 says, the glory of children First it says, the glory of men is their children's children. Children's children are the crown of old men. That means you're around to see the fruit of paying the price when your little grandson says, says hey, dad, where's grandma? And you tell him she's right here. I took care of her. This is grandmama. That's a man who sticks with it throughout, thick and thin. And then it says, and the glory of children are their parents, the correct translation, mom and dad loving each other. I think that's the context of our worship that this world has not known. This weekend I took Pastor Nahum to see South Beach in Miami to give him a tour. And I had forgotten 10th Street is a place of debauchery. And there was 500 men standing around a drag queen who was shaking his butt, six foot five, dressed like a woman. And I asked Pastor, I said, what is attractive about that? What is that? What has God, I mean, what has the world done to men that they should find attraction in the sons of Satan? 
That's not us. Let's worship God and give him praise tonight. Give Jesus the best and say, allow me to be transformed evermore. Tonight will be a world-changing night in the house of God. I want to give you praise, Jesus, for what you have opened our hearts to tonight. That we who are thirsting have been quenched tonight. We have been refreshed from the dew of heaven. That we might pass down to our children that which is powerful to safeguard them. That which is amazing, a firewall to every demon in hell. Place where people understand and live in the context of a community that honors the church, that honors family, that honors marriage, and the dignity of man and woman. From a young age, training our children up in the fear of the Lord, the admonition of God, that their hearts would embrace the house of God. I rejoiced when they said, let us go to the house of God. Praise you, Jesus.